Hi guys, this is Oliver Cookson and this is the eighth episode of my podcast, Bootstrap Your Life. So on the previous episode, episode seven, I got asked a question, what customer acquisition strategies would you recommend for bootstrapped brands? So this was a great question from Kevin and it's quite a big answer and it's such an important question for the growth of an early business, especially when bootstrapped. So I decided to put the question over two episodes. So this is part two. So I'll carry on where I left off. I have a couple more experiences of what I did in the early days of my protein. And then I will try and bring the question to more the now, what I feel the best way of of bootstrapping or advertising for new customers or gaining new customers in today's market. Before I do, I just want to remind everyone of the competition or if you didn't hear about it last week, then tell you about it. So the reason is I'm getting lots and lots of requests for giving one-to-one advice. And as I've said previously, it's just not feasible for me to be able to do that because it would be a full-time job as much as I'd love to. And it would be unfair just to pick a few people to help and not the others. There's, there's no way I can make that call. So it's better to let I, I politely decline. However, I do want to try and help people on a one-to-one basis. So I thought a competition would be a great way of doing that. So on episode 11, I'm going to announce the winner. Um, but the competition has been live for a week now. And the way to enter is a simple one. You just leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, screenshot the review, email it to me at hello at olivercookson.com. What would be really helpful in there in the email is just put a sentence or a small paragraph of what you're actually looking for in terms of advice, just top line. And then in episode 11 or that week, I or we will choose a winner at random. And then I will have a hour's or so's worth of advice on a one-to-one basis on a call and we can yeah bounce ideas around and I can give you my honest opinion I can give you some ideas on how I think you can accelerate your business or how best to solve a problem and basically you just got me for an hour or so on a one-to-one basis and we'll really do something good I'm sure so yeah get those reviews on get the screenshots and send them over to me at hello at olivercookson.com and that'd be great and I look forward to selecting a winner and speaking to you in um, in August. And finally, a thanks, a mention to the following guys who've left me a review. I want to say thanks to Chrissy P, Bradley BBR, Jammers, and Lou Skysky. So to the question, so it's part two, it's a continuation of the question, effectively, what's the best ways to get customers when bootstrapping a business? And yeah, I guess the next question really would be still around the my protein point because obviously that's the best experience I have and just to quickly recap the the key channels really for the early early growth was using a forum called muscle talk and um, promoting on there then there was the google adwords in a very early campaign which I built myself and I highly recommend everyone tries to do it themselves at the start which is obviously the essence of bootstrapping And finally, the referral scheme, the win-win referral scheme, which was highly innovative and unique at that time. But of course, there was other things I tried and were maybe less successful. I did try 
a lot of different channels and ideas and that's that's key you really do need to try lots of different ways and channels of hitting your market and then obviously just measuring where the success is that's key it's very it's very rare that you'll get the absolute perfect marketing channel day one what you need to do is you need to test and measure with, with a sensible budget obviously you can't do TV advertising day one on bootstrapping a business and see how it goes. So it needs to be something that's cost efficient. Some of the other channels I tried in the early days, I tried print advertising. So I advertised just, I think it was like a, an eighth of a page or a sixteenth of a page in some of the early publications of Flex and Muscle and Fitness. Uh, this wasn't day one because obviously I didn't have the cash to do that, but certainly later in the first year or maybe the second year I I did that we actually ended up growing that from a 16th of a page to a quarter of a page to half a page to a front page to inside front cover to back cover so we grew over time as our revenues and our profits grew we did invest more so print advertising is an interesting one obviously something like flex in those early years was very into our target market there was a lot of competition in those magazines even then from other nutrition brands no one online because we were unique in that early year um, but in the first year sorry but obviously there's lots of other big big retail brands so print advertising's a difficult one because i'm such a believer in measuring and obviously with digital advertising it's a lot easier to do or it is possible to do with print it's very difficult unless you use a code to track and even then it's still difficult but i'd always recommend if you use print advertising always use a call to action on the advert for absolutely have to if you're a startup and a bootstrap business you don't have the budget to to do brand adverts they've got to be a driven return on investment type advert so with that in mind you have to have a call to action on the advert so something like buy this products and get 10 percent off or buy buy two and get one half price or whatever that may be it might be a call to action on a value proposition or something else but you have to have a call to action and if you have a call to action for something like a discount for example then like a first order offer then you might get some free gifts or whatever it is then use a code which is unique to that advert so if you're advertising in flex magazine for example then create a code which is unique to flex so you could call it flex 10 or whatever it is or flex G G july or just something which is unique and then once those orders start coming in you can see what orders have been driven from that medium and therefore you can do the numbers to see if it's a viable or a profitable channel for you however you do need to bear in mind and all marketing directors will tell you this that you can't value the brand awareness of that someone may see the advert in flex they may not order that day but then they may see the an advert on Facebook and then they may see it on Google AdWords and it's that those three touch points will then convert a customer. There's a there's an old rule which I've never seen proven, but I think it's everyone's always told it me in, in marketing who know more about marketing than me, that you need to have three touch points with a customer before they buy. So using that methodology, then print could work as one of the touch points and then you might end up acquiring a customer via Google AdWords. Of course, it's a hypothetically impossible question to perfectly answer, but there is there is value in it. However, I think for when you're bootstrapping a business, you absolutely need to be driving orders from that advert for it to be worthwhile. I also did a stand at a UK Strongman event 
just give it a try. So obviously Strongman event was a, a key market for us in terms of the, the competitors. A lot of the uh, spectators were, were obviously into Strongman and Strongman training. So we had, we had a stand, it was actually me and my mum. We, we just got a very simple gazebo, bit a, a wooden table, went down there, had some products to sell, had some samples to give away, and we just got in there and, and spoke to people. And look, again, it's hard to measure the, the impact of that, but the we got there and we got customer feedback and you know for a day's worth of work, it was well worth doing on a on a weekend. So try and find some sort of event that is relevant to your business and get out there and you don't have to do it, you don't have to be fancy and have all the, the latest expo stand. It can just be something very primitive and just go and see the customers and get hear the feedback and get them to speak to you and you can get a vibe of what what they think really. Um, so so that's a real easy way of doing a bit of customer experience marketing and also getting some market research feedback as well. But I am a digital guy and I do believe digital is probably the best way of marketing a bootstrap because it's so measurable and so easy to to change and tweak on the fly anywhere. And the, the startup costs are, are very, very small compared to physical marketing, if you like. So what were the areas or what were the channels that failed? Obviously, I'd like to share things that don't work as well as things that do. And look, there was lots of failures along the way. But, you, you know, we learned from them and we wouldn't do them again. So I think it's difficult to say there wasn't anything we spent shed loads of money on in those early years that didn't work because we didn't have shed loads of money to spend. We did do a TV campaign. I think it was probably 2009, 2010. And I'm not sure that worked. We didn't spend a huge amount on it. It wasn't a big, lavish campaign. It was on a small channel, um, an obscure hour. But we, we just dipped our big toe into the water. But it didn't really work. I'm not sure the market it was was uh, mature enough, really, for to do sports nutrition adverts for them to work. However, we give it a go. Some of the print adverts we did in some of the bigger, more expensive magazines, which were more lifestyle-based, I'm not sure they were giving us a, re- a return on investment. However, we did we did do a campaign to build brand awareness, so we, you know that can't be measured. So, but I'm not. I wouldn't say that's the right way to go for a bootstrap business. This was more five years in when we were trying to build the brand. So, in short, just keep things simple. Do it bit by bit. Test the waters. Test how it works. Make sure you get traction. If you get traction and the CPA, the cost per acquisition is good you're making money on the first order, then just keep throwing money at it until you hit the inflection point of where it, it won't actually develop anymore. There is always an inflection point of where you can only add so much budget when the return starts to diminish the value. So I would always try and hit it so it's at its peak for a bootstrap business and not overspend so then the return becomes diminished. So then maybe try to look at a different channel and exhaust that to its peak. And then obviously, if you keep on doing that for a while and you're growing all the customers, then you're going to be in a great position where you're cash generative and the business will be spitting off cash and you can then maybe start investing it into other marketing channels, which may be a bit more of a slow burn of a return on investment. So what do I think are the fundamental points of acquiring customers to a brand for a brand? So the silver bullet for me is personal recommendation. It's obviously the best way 
to get new customers in terms of the trust aspects, the cost per acquisition, everything about it makes it the best channel for marketing a bootstrap business. So how do you do that? Well, look, the, again, I'll, I'll repeat myself, but it's so important. You have to have a strong value proposition. You have to have something unique. You have to have something that people are gonna shout about. No one's gonna tell their friends about another website that's selling protein powder direct because it's not that exciting anymore. It's, you know, it's been done or 16 years ago. So it's, you need to have something that stands out. However, if someone created a, a business selling protein that did something completely unique and sexy and new, then, then maybe they shout about it. And look, I'm just using protein as an example. Obviously, that is the same across every sector, whether it's clothes, whether it's beauty products, whether it's cars, I don't know, it, it, anything. It just needs to be something that stands out from the crowd. That is so, so, so important. However, that's not just where, that's the start of it. You need to then have an amazing product that satisfies that need. That's so important as well. And finally, you really need great customer service to back it up. So if people have got questions in a sales mode, then you answer it promptly in a, a clear way. Your website's developed right in terms of it asks and answers all the right questions. It's well laid out. It's It, it looks neat and tidy. It looks organized. It looks professional. And then finally, when problems occur, because problems will occur in the ordering process, customer service team respond quickly. They respond by different channels and they are effectively very good. And everyone will then that negative of an order being late or not delivered due to something outside of your control because it's a courier issue, for example, but you can turn that into a positive. You can turn that into a positive by acting in the right and appropriate way and dealing with a problem and taking ownership. Look, it might probably isn't your fault or it isn't your fault if the courier is delayed or the driver didn't deliver for whatever reason. However, the, that's not the customer's fault. The customer has a relationship with you and you're, that you're using that third party. So just simple things like that, you can turn from a negative into a positive in the way you react. I think there's a whole ream of elements to do on customer service. And I learned the hard way. I probably didn't handle it as well as I could have in some instances in the early days. But by the end, we were, I think we had a 9.8% or something super high on Trustpilot. So we, you know, we, we got it right in the end. And maybe that's a question to that I can focus on in a future podcast. But rounding that off, I think the key thing to customers is being open, honest, and transparent. It's something that's become a bit of a, again, a bit of a norm. But back when I started MP, it probably wasn't. But just in all your conversation and all your products information, just be open, honest, and transparent. Just it's the best way to be for sure. People will trust the brand much more than if they feel there's something a bit sneaky around it. What do I think has changed with customer acquisition tactics in or over the recent years? So a good story from the early years that really does show how things have changed over the last decade or couple of decades in in marketing and customer acquisition online especially. So as I've said, the referral scheme, which was unique back then, is, is pretty commonplace now, but still a, a useful tactic for sure. Also, in late 2004, less, you know, about six to 12 months after I started MP, I thought, okay, I'm using MuscleTalk as a forum. However, those customers or those members are obviously owned by MuscleTalk. But I, what I thought is if I created my own forum on the e-commerce platform of MyProtein and called it the MyProtein Forum, we could create a real loyal brand of customers who then in effect would be brand advocates. So that's what I did. Everyone sells a bit crazy because 
you'd have people complaining on the forum and asking all the awkward questions and and whatnot. However, I said, look, I think that's good. I want to be transparent. I want to be open. I want to be honest. I want people to see the issues. I want to see how we resolve them. And again, that was a bit of a pioneering thing we did back in that time because no one else was doing it. In fact, everyone was anti it. But obviously over the next three to five years, it became a bit commonplace for companies to have an open forum for people for, for complaints and such like. And now it's, again, it should be something that's a bit of a must do, not a should do. It really was a way of me keeping the finger on the pulse of what the customers wanted. Someone could be saying they wanted this product in the morning and we could effectively have the products out by the, the afternoon or why don't we do this? And you know, I could then add that to our wish list if it was something that I felt would be benefit. So the MP forum was so successful and I really do bang the drum of having forums integrated with a, a web store. I think it's a great way of creating a strong brand advocates and an army of diehard customers. So those early forum members really did shout about us and defended us and they were the cornerstone of our early growth. So the long and short of it was that was the start of influencer marketing. These were guys that were influencers in their own right and they were the real early seeds of influencer marketing, obviously 2004 was pre-Facebook pretty much for the UK and obviously pre all of the social platforms except MySpace. But yeah, it was it was pre the social era, but it was right at the cusp of it starting. So what do I think are the best methods for acquiring new customers for bootstrap brands today? Obviously things have moved on as you always will. And that's the key. You've got to really just move with the times and try and find out what the next big thing is in terms of marketing to try and get there at the start. So with the forum that I launched, that was the start of influencer marketing, building those brand advocates who were effectively influencing the brand. It really is a tough question and the online market is obviously a lot more mature. However, you do really need to have that strong value proposition Otherwise, you're just not going to be able to get people to talk about it, which is really going to be a key driver for the early growth. I'll give three quick examples of what I feel are the best things to do today. There are many more, but again, it's going to be out of time for this podcast. So it does depend on your offering as well. So having that right offer, as we've discussed already, is key to generate the organic word of mouth referrals. If you can turbo boost that by offering a sexy reward scheme, which is a win-win, then that will turbo boost it. But again, you need the right product in the first place. If the market you're not going to go into is not that mature yet, then I'd still highly recommend PPC, pay-per-click. So that could be obviously on Google AdWords, or these days you can do it on Facebook, LinkedIn. TikTok have just launched their own advertising. However, I've not looked into their... Um, uptake yet but I know Facebook and Instagram can be a great channel for driving customers however if the market is mature for example sports nutrition then it's going to be difficult to to do a paid search campaign in there because the, the cost per acquisition is so high these days due to competitive due to how many competitors there are again rule of thumb just make sure you try and make money on the first order or break even at least but now I'd always try and make money on the first order for a bootstrap brand. Otherwise, you're going to end up burning cash too quickly and effectively run out. 
So second one would be influencer marketing. Look, it is a really saturated in some sectors, in some spaces, for example, clothing. Pretty much most influencers, I'd say at least 80%, would be in the clothing, fashion, and beauty side of things. As that market is a lot more mature, it's going to be expensive to maybe get people to post about it. And also, I'm not so sure how much people will look at certain people if they're just all they're doing is banging out adverts every day. I think that's I think people are starting to get a bit tired of that now. However, there's a lot more mileage, I think, still in the micro influencers. So people with you know less than five thousand followers. And having a ton of them, I'd prefer 10 people with less than 5,000 and one person who had 50,000 followers, for example, because I think it's a lot more relatable to, to the person who's buying and it feels less advert heavy because typically those micro-influencers won't have stacks of adverts, but some people who have lots of followers will just be banging out adverts every every day or every few days. So getting the right influencers, again, this is a whole new podcast, but in short, it's just getting out there coming up with a, a plan and just getting networking um, online. Maybe this is another question, how best to find those influencers to get the best ROI. I've, it's something I've done and there's certain techniques you can do to make it a, an efficient process. And finally, I would say SEO. Look, this is more of a medium to long view. However, it's something you should always start at day one of your business because the rewards will come back. If you can get a top ranking in the natural search listings on Google for your search term, you will absolutely get an amazing return on investment because the cost is is negligible. However, it does obviously come down to the market. So for example, if you were starting a poker business of some form and obviously it had some strong value proposition, you know, you're never, ever, ever going to get to the first page ranking for, say, the search term online poker because that is super competitive. There's been people doing that for 10, 15, 20 years who've got a real strong link network and effectively spending millions of pounds a year today still to maintain that position. So you've got to be, that's a real extreme example. But if you are in a competitive space where people have a strong long network it's going to be difficult to get there in any in any period really but however if it's a market that is less mature or there's less competition then obviously you'll see start to see the results a lot quicker however even if it is competitive i still absolutely believe you should start laying the building blocks for your seo campaign from day one so that's what i did with my protein it was one of the key things that I did, and it's another area that I managed from start to finish. I was out there link building. The the way you built links back then was different to now, and obviously Google algorithms changed a lot since then. The key thing then was getting backlinks to the website with a key search term in the anchor text, and that's still very, very relevant. However, Google's moved on a little and is a bit more clever now, but still getting those links from high-authority sites, trusted sites, in a natural way is is the way you get those high rankings or is, is a key element of how you do that again that's another podcast on seo if you if you want me to explain around that i'm happy to do a uh, a podcast on how i did it but the reason my protein today ranks as well as it does which is like number one or first page for pretty much every term in its space is because i laid those early 
links and that building in those early years. So that first five to seven years when we were number one or in the, the, at least the top three for every search term, those links now are very mature and Google will give more power, if you like, to those links that are older. So it's never too early to start your SEO campaign. It should be right at the top of the list of things to do because the benefits will come down the track and they cost nothing. When I say nothing, obviously there's a time cost or you may need to give some product away to get a link back or whatever it is. But these are getting those links and just it's just networking again. It's similar to influencer marketing, but there's, there's different, te- different ways and techniques of doing it and, and efficiency ways. Again, it's a whole different podcast. Okay, guys, that is the end of the eighth podcast, which was a two-part question. This was part two. It was a longer podcast than normal, but I think it was such an important question and a key question that I didn't want to skimp on 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 the key elements obviously there's loads more i can go into and please if you've got any sub questions from this please ask them at olivercookson.com and i'll answer them in the future because i know how important it is of a question in those early years so to wrap things up i again thank you i'm super grateful for you giving me a time to listen i hope it's been useful and helpful in some way and if so please do leave me a review and also please do tell a friend or give me a link on uh, your social media. It'd be greatly, greatly appreciated. And maybe they'll get lots of benefit from it too. So next week, we're going to have a different question, which is, I'll give you an insight now. It's facing the unknown as an entrepreneur and really covering some of the elements and ideas of the mental health side of things, which is obviously such an important topic. That was meant to be the episode eight, but that's been pushed back now to episode nine because of this question was bigger than I expected. So yes, that's it. Okay, thanks guys. And I will speak to you the same time next week.